genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers one minute at a time. One stomach wounded. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, we're going to get a gut punch a little later. Oh, uh, that's true. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 25, which starts with uh, Aimer carrying Theodred on his horse and him and his troop continue to ride yes. for a little while. And ends with Wormtongue saying, that is a lie, and appearing from the shadows. Mm -hmm. That is a lie. (laughs) Just, that is a lie. Just such venom in his words. Well, yeah, his name is Wormtongue. Mm. We get more Wormtongue next week. So, one of the things I find really interesting about this, this is the first time we see Eowyn. Yes. So last minute was our introduction to Eowyn. This is our introduction to Eowyn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eowyn seems like she is... If this is your first introduction to the character, you get the sense that she is, like, always in a hurry, you know? Um, She's concerned. She's shuffling around. I don't get that impression. It's, it's, I like that the first time we see her, she is outside. Mm. Or at least she was outside and she's making her way from, you know, like, the fresh air into the hall. Mm. Because of her conversation with Aegorn later, that what she fears most is... Right. A cage. Her dislike of being penned in. So the first right. thing we see of her is... Is outside with, like, the wind and everything. Yeah. She's free, and then she's not. Right. Uh, then she goes inside where it's dark and cold, and right. she's surrounded by death. Because, like, the, the the hall, I mean, we get a really good shot of the hall in this minute as well, and it's dark, and we get more acquainted with Wormtongue next week, so I don't want to, like, yes. step on the Wormtongue talk. Yeah, let's, uh... Save warm tongue for, for okay. next week. Yeah. But in contrast to Eowyn, who we see also moving, but like fully lit and outside, warm tongue appears from the shadows. Like he's skulking. Yeah. He appears from the shadows, garbed in black himself. Right. So I like these two introduction. These two introductions happen within 30 seconds of each other, but they're both very different and they tell you a lot about the character. Mm. Also, the, the columns at the top of the steps into the Great Hall are so detailed. Yeah, the carving. Yeah, they are. There's just Celtic knots and symbols and spirals. So many of them in such so small a space mm-hmm. uh, on those columns and the, the steps of Metaseld. It's really pretty. Mm. One of the things I find really interesting about this, this minute and uh, the scene in this minute is that when Amor and Eowyn meet for the first time in the movie they exchange no words yeah only looks everything Amor needs to tell her he tells her with one look we were talking a little off mic uh when i was looking up how their age difference because eowyn is four years younger at least Mm. in the book she's four years younger than Amor. you were saying that you always think of them as twins yeah so do you think that this one moment of them reuniting and saying things that without speaking do you think that kind of informs your reading of them as twins i think so being a twin yourself yeah i i I definitely think it does they don't look very far apart in age right like you know they're they're both beautiful blonde haired people (laughs) 
a lot about their characters in another work would possibly suggest that they are twins. Yeah. Because they don't have any other siblings. It's just the two of them. Right. Like you were saying, they both look very similar and of similar age. They never tell you how old they are in the movie. Right, right. I'm trying to remember. I think next next week he just talks about right. his Too sister. Too long have you haunted my sister's steps. He yeah, doesn't yeah. specify like my younger sister right. or my older sister. Right. You know, so in the context of the movie, like, and especially this moment, yeah, being a twin myself and like the, the nonverbal communication thing is, is right. very real. I don't know if any other twins are listening that can confirm or deny this, <laughs> but like, because you spend all your time growing up with the same person, th- there are nonverbal cues that you could never explain to another person outside of the two of you. You could never describe like why you understand things that you understand. Mm-hmm. You just do. Yeah. And I guess the same could be said about me and my sister. We're almost two years apart. Mm. So there is like a gap, but like we also grew up together. But I think like being a twin, you are literally with each other constantly from right. like the day you are expelled from the womb. You you are together from like the moment well, you mean, are like, conceived. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, that's true too. You exist in the same space. Your your entire creation and life for so long. Right. Up until adulthood, presumably. Right? Ideally. Like, you know, me and me and my sister many many times in our lives have done the same thing on the same day without speaking to each other. <laughs> like That's creepy. Buying buying the same color, same patterned track jacket on the same day <laughs> in the same store with at the same time, without talking to each other at all about That's it. That's crazy. But the, hmm. we both bought a green track jacket with white stripes on the sleeves the same day, shopping for clothes before our senior year of high school. <laughs> like, we were in Walmart together. We separated to buy clothes. And That's then we met really back up funny. in the parking lot. And we both bought the same thing. <laughs> like, That's kind of amazing. So these sorts of things happen. Right. That's really funny. Uh, reading about all the weird, spooky twin studies that have been done is really interesting. And I'm just like, yeah, I buy that. <laughs> Being a twin myself. Right. But yeah, th- this this totally nonverbal moment where he doesn't even tell her, like, you know, this is how Phaedrid is injured. He just kind of looks down and she immediately lifts the bandage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she looks to him, like, she's going to ask him, like, what's going on? The look that he gives her is both, like, concerned, but also, like, stern yeah like because carl urban always looks stern right. but they both look troubled the looks on their face the looks on their faces in that moment is so good and like says so much to me especially since we are just about to make Th- meet theoden and part of the reason they look so worried isn't just because like this is theoden's son mm-hmm. it's because of the state theoden is in. in yeah and the fact that we jump from like we jump from Amor and Eowyn's looks of concern directly to Theoden's aged face. Right. Like we jump we jump from one expression to another and like the way that this scene is put together is really really strong. I don't know. I could just talk in circles but gush about this for a while. And I mean, I love I I love Eowyn and I always have. Uh and I know that you have problems with Eowyn. Yeah. I'm hoping that this I mean, I've said it before, but like I'm hoping that this, like, breaking everything down enriches, or at least I get a a good idea of why people like Eowyn so much, 
Or, like, I also want to like Eowyn. I, I want to like Eowyn. Mm. Like, yeah. it's not like, ooh, she's like a girl. Like, there are no right. women. Right. Like, <laughs> or there are not enough women in this story. I remember when I first saw this movie. And I'm, I'm going to bring this up again when we talk about Eowyn more. But, like, I remember when I first saw this movie and first saw Return of the King. And I felt initially like they didn't translate a lot of the Eowyn stuff super well onto the screen. But that's just, I think a lot of that just comes from how you can kind of pace yourself when you're reading things and how you digest things. Because it's not as though they really cut a lot of Eowyn stuff. Most of it's still here. Right. But like with the sort of perspective and like more like more stuff from uh, Mary's perspective about Eowyn, you kind of lose some of that. You lose some of their relationship in the movies. Right. It's hard to kind of translate that from the page right. where Mary is like observing this about her into right. like... Like that, that's got to be the... Like, I don't really know, but I assume like that's some of the hardest part of adaptation work is translating like third party narration or observation into actions on screen that communicate the same thing. That's got, I, I feel like that has to be the hardest part of adaptation work. I would say so. That and blocking. Blocking is just hard. Because, again, you want to you want to show your audience, not tell your audience. Right, exactly. Having someone narrate things in their head only works in a very particular kind of movie. Right. Or just having people just randomly speak about other characters sometimes comes off as awkward. It depends on, like, a number of right. factors, I like, think. Amber's conversation with Wormtongue also tells us kind of tells us a lot about Eowyn, too. Mostly through looks that she has on her face. Mm-hmm. I mean, watching this clip again real quick, like it doesn't jump right to Eowyn or right to Thane, and it jumps to a beautiful, a, a beautiful carved horse at the top of a column but you inside see, the hall. You see someone like, you know, obviously a king sitting in his throne and she is stepping away from him, telling him that, mm. like, your son is gravely wounded. What's really interesting about this shot is there is light all around Theoden, but he is shadowed. Yeah, because of the positioning of it. Yeah, but you can see everything around him in full light except just a small, like, almost like a spotlight of darkness over his chair. Right. Like, his, you can see, like, kind of his hair, you can see, but you can see everything except his face. It's like the Aragorn effect. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) But, like, at a distance and the around him is more lit. Aragorn was just, like, in a dark corner. Right. Whereas, like... But you couldn't see his face. Yeah. It's, we should, hmm, who else is, like, quote-unquote a king? I guess Denethor. When they introduce Denethor in the third movie. Right. Because Because that's his actual introduction. Right, right, right. His intended introduction. We should see if he is also in shadow because that's kind of a cool... It's interesting, yeah. ...motif. Like, you know, Aragorn is the the king. Hmm. But, like, the king to be... So here's something about Denethor and, like, the in shadow thing. I don't don't think that, like, his face is occluded or, or anything in the... When you first see him in I don't, Return I honestly of the King. don't remember this. But I'm like, he lives in a building that is white all around him and wears black. Right. That is a level of, like, goth. <laughs> right, but, like, he doesn't have to be, like, in shadow. He cloaks himself in the color of shadow. That's true. That's true. Like, he lives, he is surrounded by pure white marble and chooses to wear black. Yeah, because he's always in The mind. opposite of Saruman. Because he's always in like, mourning. Yeah, it's true. But the opposite of Saruman. Saruman is surrounded by all this black obsidian right, and wears right. white. That's true. Hmm. And they are both men obsessed with power. Yeah, and they're both corrupted by 
Palantir. Exactly. Nice. Look at us drawing, like, parallels and shit. Drawing links. And they're both old men. Hey. I mean, Aragorn's old. He's older right. than Thaden. Yeah. He's older <laughs> than Denethor. Nah. No. Denethor no. was... Denethor's just a few yeah. years older than him. Yeah. That's right. They're around the same age. But yeah, I like this shot. I think that the way the area around Theoden's throne is lit really makes me think of, like, uh, a cathedral. Like, with the, the columns and, like, the... The two arches on either side of a much larger arch mm-hmm. gives me kind of a cathedral vibe. And then, like, the banners are almost like stained glass behind well, isn't him. That wh- isn't that because, like, the architecture, like, drew from architecture of the Anglo-Saxons? Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. But, like, just, and the way it's lit and, like, the especially the very last shot of this minute, mm-hmm. I get, like, cathedral vibes, uh, which is kind of fitting with the way that we kind of see Theoden framed throughout the whole movie. Yeah. He's like a like a diminished saint is almost the way he's framed. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. I'm trying to think of which saint. I think it's Saint Peter is sometimes um, portrayed as like a really old man. It might mm. be Saint Peter or Saint John. I'm not sure. Um, I think Peter is Peter's the gate, the, the keys one, right? Yeah, Saint Peter's the gatekeeper. I, I am not... Um, well learned in my catholic um iconography nor am i <laughs> the only thing i really know about it um is the stuff that i learned in like humanities class yeah. like looking at pieces of art where it's like oh this is done, this is a painting of saint bartholomew that were like commissioned by the church you know yeah but yeah we're like all the paintings are titled like saint names of the person and right, stuff. right so it's like i can't even remember all of those some italian sounding name it's probably a saint what because there's like hundreds of them Oh, like I thought you meant like Renaissance artists. I'm like, no, 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 oh. like Catholic saints. There's like, there's like hundreds of them. Oh, I'm talking about like the biblical saints, not mm. like the the canonized saints afterward. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because there are a lot. There are a whole lot. Yeah, I can kind of see the cathedral thing. It it just strikes me as very um like Viking, which yeah. is the whole point, you know. Yeah, it's like the yeah, it's like a a blend of like Anglo-Saxon and Viking iconography, like the way everything's put together. Yeah, especially because of like the Celtic motifs in like the wall. Yeah, the raised carvings. Like you can see, um, just above where the banners are. Yeah, you can see, uh, not just like your kind of normal interconnected circle Celtic knots, but there's also the Celtic Trinity uh, symbol is worked into a bunch of the spaces up there too. Mm. Wasn't that also co-opted by the church? I think or, so, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if it was co-opted by the church or, like, they just happened at the same time because of the, the whole concept of the Trinity thing. I am, I am not, not sure. A, no, I'm, I assu- not a, I'm assuming it is a much older Celtic symbol. I'm not a, an art history person. Um, I find art history fascinating, but it's hard to get... It's like, oh, yeah, I see what you're talking about. It's, it's difficult right. to keep it all straight. Yeah. And, I mean, those Trinity symbols sit... Or what we refer to as Trinity symbols, like from a like a Catholic symbolism perspective, sit right above archways, so it kind of gives the impression of like stained glass windows to me. Yeah. Um. In the the knot, there's like snake heads. Yeah, I was gonna say, are they snakes or horses? They look kind of snake-like. They're probably supposed to be horses. You see them from very far away. Right. They look like birds or snakes or horses. But that all looks like very classical Celtic. But something that's really interesting to me about this symbol is if, uh, like, right above these the banners, is you can almost see the tree of Gondor in the way that this is put together. Mm-hmm. Like, two of them side by side. Yeah, I can see that. I was going to say, like, 
because we talked a little bit about like the ring of bear here and mm. that is like straight up two snakes right so like and maybe I know... like some two snake symbology is or symbolism is still part of the royalty all over middle earth yeah because i know that rohan and gondor are, are related yeah even though there are they are they're separate kingdoms and separated by mountains right yeah like it, it kind of would make sense if that's like a really ancient symbol for like some of the royal blood of Numenor that you would see more of those two snakes in other things around middle yeah. earth i'm not entire i can't tell if it's supposed to be snakes or horses but it looks like they have really distinct like open jaws in a way a horse wouldn't have yeah and they don't have like manes yeah that's why maybe because they're just noodly they're noodly they're so little danger me... noodles <laughs> it makes me think snake yeah but yeah it would make sense to me and that would tie into the whole like you know there's a previous civilization and some of their symbols are still in use yeah you know the thing they talk about that makes the world kind of feel more real and lived in mm-hmm. so that makes sense to me i totally buy that they could be snakes it's like a callback to some of the Numenor stuff. Yeah. Also, like the horses on the banners, they're at different... The banners are like the same size, but the horse is both in a different like state of running and at a different height in each banner. Mm-hmm. And each banner is a different color. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. A little thing you notice about the banners, the horses are like in motion mm-hmm. and they're in different sections of running. And they all have a different symbol above them. Yeah. Well, they're all like suns. They're all like sunbursts. Yeah. I wonder if those represent like the different areas of Rohan. Like if those are supposed to be the crests of like the first marshal of like the king in the middle and then the second and third marshals on either side of oh, him. Oh, maybe. That would like, make sense that, to me. That flag on the, I guess it would be his right, is like red, like yeah. Aomer's armor. And then the one on the left is like bluish green, but there's also like yellow. Yeah. And maybe that's like Theodred. Maybe. And then the one in the middle is like a much larger horse, like, and it's visible above the throne. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love this wall. Yeah. It's so pretty. It is really, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, it's very intricate. Um, and you can see like one little writing desk on the right side, tucked up against the, the wall on the right, mm-hmm. like the opposite of where Wormtongue is walking out of. So that's probably where Wormtongue sits when he's filling out paperwork and stuff for the king. Maybe. That's probably like his spot in the throne room there. Yeah. Since he's like the, the king's... I assume like scribe or messenger or voice or whatever. So that's probably Wormtongue's seat, this little writing desk. Hmm. And there's a window uh, to the left where Wormtongue walks from. The light you can see, right. the shot from, from the, above, you can see the arch of the window on the floor. The uh, light spilling yeah. onto the floor. Yeah. So Wormtongue was looking out the window. He probably watched Amr with Theodred ride up into uh, Edoras. And he's been thinking about what he's going to say right. next week the whole time just waiting for everyone <laughs> to come to him yeah this this is beautiful like in the in the same sort of this shot to me like feels grand but restrained yeah like like yeah uh, like faden like that and like there's there's so much more to this and like the fact that it the light just kind of dies out around the edge but you can still see some of the detail in the columns and some of the shadows coming towards you like mm-hmm. tells you that this space is big yeah. Without having to show you. Yeah. Uh, it's really pretty. It is really pretty. Uh, and Eowyn's dress is really pretty. Yeah, but you can't really see it. Yeah, you don't see much you of it. You see it better. Um, like, like the, the full light as she runs in, like, you get, a, you get a look at it. Yeah. And as she, like, goes to Theodred's side. Also, I really question their... Uh, Rohan must not have a lot of great medical knowledge to let her just lift that bandage up and take a peek. Mm-hmm. They don't really know how to take care of wounds. He's al- he was also sitting in like muddy water for yeah. who knows how long. It's probably it's probably look it's probably gangrenous or yeah. black. It looks bad, I'm yeah. sure. 
that's why like she peeks and then immediately looks at Amber and Amber looks at her and he's just like we have to tell him yeah this is bad it probably stinks yeah probably it's probably terribly infected like mm. there's not a whole lot because he do, uh, he dies within the next like 24 hours like within the next day or so yeah he dies I think he dies it, he does in the night right yeah he he dies in the night um, <laughs> you know your uh, words are poison we're gonna talk about that uh, I want to mention here though. Uh, because it came up and it's in my brain and I don't want to forget to mention this if I forget to mention it when it comes up. That line to me is always implied that Wormtongue murdered him. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll talk about that in a yeah. couple weeks. We'll get there. Like that's that's something that I don't want to forget to mention. So I just wanted to mention it now. So, you know, now that I've mentioned it, you know, maybe someone or you will remind me when we get there. Yeah. So you can find us on DuelingGenre.com along with all the other Dueling Genre productions. Uh, and if you're interested in more movies by minutes, you can go to moviesbyminutes.com and find all of them. We're getting closer to 100 all the time. Yeah. You can also check out the hashtag on Twitter, um, hashtag moviesbyminutes. That's the thing that we're all trying to like collectively use more. Yeah. So we get... I'm, I'm not really an active Twitter person, so I forget that hashtag. That's okay. Uh, as always, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Ed Foster. Hope everyone enjoyed this week, and I hope you have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.